didn't get to greet you this morning. <laughs> how's it, how's it? <laughs> so I've been sharing from Isaiah chapter 6. Um, last week we had a pastor, Arthur, and um, I realized um, some single people aren't here this morning because of last week's sermon. So <laughs> Those of you that are laughing knows what the topic was. If you don't know, just ask someone next to you, then you'll understand why we're laughing. But um, in the next while, we're going we're gonna to really open up the service again to not just the families, um, but, it, but we're going to have a very specific workers, working focus. Um, so you would have noticed the, um, the sermon series coming up, which is focused on um, helping us grow in our worship, in our daily worship as we go to work and go to do what God has called us to so I'm going to pick up from where I left off two weeks ago, Isaiah chapter 6. Who was here when I was sharing on Isaiah chapter 6? Um, Bianca, if you can just, yes, that one, on strength, yes. Why don't you show us that um, picture, Bianca, the second one, the second slide. There we go. Right, that picture of Isaiah standing before the Lord. I'm going to read it for you, and then we're going to get practical, and then we'll get back to the message. Isaiah chapter 6 is 1. In, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it, above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongues from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it with it and said behold this has touched your lips your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged also i heard the voice of the lord saying whom shall i send and who will go for us then i said here i am send me isn't the word powerful isn't i just get such security in knowing coming to church that god will do what he wants to do because His Word is alive, His Word is living. And as we release His Word, um, it will accomplish what He set it forth to do. So this morning, you can relax, knowing that God will do in you, as you just yield your heart, as you yield yourself to His Word. Um, His Word can, can really minister um, to you. Um, this morning, Last week I was asking the question, we're talking about King Uzziah, and King Uzziah resembled pride or resembles pride we'll touch on that again in a second um, but this morning I want to ask you the question have you had your Isaiah 6 moment um, and I'm not talking about like your salvation I'm not talking about an experience you had a while ago I'm talking about a now moment an invitation I believe from the king to to step into that place I'm going to ask you Anas, just to quickly come up and share just uh, him, him and uh, Louis' experience. Uh, there was a very interesting moment on Wednesday evening. We were um, just fellowshipping, me and Louis. And we decided to pray for our small group and started praying in tongues to get a word from the Lord. And he was faithful in that. 
And Lou just kept pushing through and pushing through. And I got swept up in it. And then I started asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want? What do you, what do you want in our hearts? What do you want in our heads? Where are we going? And like just that surrender happened after a while of spending time with him and just pushing through a bit more, a bit more. And he led us to repentance of pride specifically and a, a few other things. And in that cleansing moment, he started touching us. And I, I felt like I, I wanted, I just wanted more. I just wanted like God to change a little bit more inside of me. And he showed me that I needed to let go of what I was carrying from my previous life and actually accept the blood of Jesus and really feel that, that surrender. And then I'm clean. And then I asked for a new anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it was beyond intense. And when I got to that point, I was like, Lord, more. I need, I need my mind to change. And I fell to my knees and I started crying. And I put my hands out in front of me. And I was like, Lord, I want to see you. I just, I just want to see you. And in that moment, uh, my breath stopped. I didn't choose to stop breathing. I just didn't care. Like, it was weird. And, 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 and I was sure in that moment that if I looked up, I would see the feet of God. And it changed my life. Like, now when I think of God, everything quiets down no worries cares it's just a deeper connection with him that has changed me in an undescribable way amazing thanks Johannes isn't there any other news you want to share Johannes (laughs) very lucky man that's a good way of sharing it you can ask him if you, afterwards if you're confused again. Right, so I want to just pick up. I'll recap um, for those, those of us that have perhaps missed the previous message. I'm just going to quickly run through. But the passage there starts with, in the year the king Uzziah died. And um, that resembles, and, 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 and as I said a couple of weeks ago, um, the Bible's very intentional. When it says something that seemingly looks random, um, mostly it's not. Mostly it's very intentional. Um, and so here we, we, we find this in Isaiah chapter 6 where it starts off. It says, in the year the king Uzziah died. If you look at the history of that particular moment um, in the book of Kings, um, we see this king Uzziah. Um, he, was a, he was a great king. Um, he did many amazing things. He was one of the the kings that say that the Bible says he did things right in the sight of the Lord, and because of that he was blessed. And he wasn't just blessed. The scriptures in Second um, Chronicles chapter twenty six says that he was marvelously helped by God um, until a moment where it says that his heart was lifted up in himself. In fact, it says until he became strong. And then his heart was lifted up in himself, and he went into the temple. And, um, and, and the summary of what happened there is he basically went into the, the incense altars, the place where only the priests were allowed to go. Um, he did not have a respect for the, for the offices, um, his own office and the office of the other people. But basically, in our, our um, modern-day context, um, our New Testament context, He wanted the blessing of God in his way, but not in God's way, right? He was used to getting the blessing of God, but at some point he he, he started missing the boat. And then we see what what, what, what the scripture says when when we, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, right? And that's why I believe God calls us into those moments again with him continuously. Uh, And a specific, specific invitation, I believe, 
um, is, is for us as, as a church to come to that place of, you know, where God invites us to come and see the King, see the King, see the King again. And so we see two things, two elements of Isaiah's pride. First, I mentioned it, the lack of um, understanding of his own divine instituted limitations. Um, we see how he had an uncontrollable anger. He had anger issues. And, and I believe it stems from that place, the state of his heart, um, and where God actually resisted him. But he had a disease in his heart eventually. Um, and the disease eventually from his heart moved to his skin and very sad story he died as a leper um, but then we pick up with Isaiah and it says that in the year that King Uzziah died so it means that moment where pride dies something happens something in the spirit opens up so that Isaiah the prophet could see the king and again Isaiah like I said the other day he was already an established prophet. It wasn't like, the, you know, that he was just nobody. He was actually a prophet on a national level by that time. But then he saw the king, and then the king um, sent him from that place. So this morning, the title, again, is The Human Heart, Jesus, and True Strength. We're talking about um, this, our season, what I believe God is doing in our church. He's taking us from, from healing to strength. Right, and so that's why it's so encouraging to have Andres come um, to share with us. But but he wants to move us into a place of real strength, true strength. Um, the interesting thing about Uzziah, his name means Yah is strength. So and that's how he started out in his life, and he started out in God's strength. But the moment his heart was lifted up. In, in himself, his focus became his own strength. And that was the moment of his fall. Whereas he should have just continued in God's strength. Because that's where true strength comes from. So let's look at Jesus. Jesus was very self-aware. He says, I know where, I'm, where I come from. And I know where I'm going. Now, there's a, there's a story, account in um, Luke chapter 13, verse 15. Let, let me read it for you. Now, I was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. That's Jesus' teaching. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed, loosed from your infirmity. And he, and he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, listen to what he says now answered and the way he answered was with indignation because jesus had healed on the sabbath and he said to the crowd there are six days on which uh, men ought to work therefore come and be healed on them and not on the sabbath day the lord answered him and said hypocrite does not each of you on the sabbath loose, loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it so ought this woman being a daughter of abram whom Satan is bound, think of it, for 18 years. He loosed, um, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. Um, and when he had said these things, all, he had, all his adversaries were put to shame. And the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. So Jesus basically looks at this, this ruler of the synagogue. And I want you to see the parallel between him and 
King Uzziah. So the ruler of the synagogue, he was God's servant, right? He was the ruler of the, the house of God in that time. So he was supposed to represent God. Here we see this um, very intense confrontation where Jesus says to him, listen, you're missing the point. You're missing the point completely. You're supposed to represent me, but you're completely missing the point. Um, and he basically says to him two things. Your mind, your mind is limiting God's work around you, um, and never mind through you, because you are supposed to be um, God's agent through which he works in this earth, but now actually the opposite is happening, right? So your mind is limiting God's work, your perception, your perspective of who God is. And then secondly, we see he has little compassion. Jesus says it actually in this way. He says, look at this woman. Think of it, 18 years she's been struggling. But your heart is so hardened that you can't have compassion on this woman that has been suffering for 18 years. You know, Jesus confronts him. And then it says that, that his adversaries were put to shame. Um, and we know that there was a, a, a sort of a response. And so often we look at the scripture and we, says, but we say, well, this ruler, he had a spirit of religion, um, a religious spirit. And, and I believe it's the case, but I believe there's something that sits a level deeper that I believe God wants to deal with, that God wants to um, deliver from, from us. Um, but he was, I believe, deeply broken um, person. Like we saw with Isaiah, he was also at a point where he was actually broken. There was a sickness in his heart. Um, and, and actually very self-absorbed. If you look at how the ruler responds, it's about what people think of him, actually. It was very self-absorbed. Now look at this. I love it when, um, when worldly sciences aligns with um, the biblical truth. You know, because, I mean, the, the biblical truth is perfect science, right? All true science actually flows from the truth of Scripture. But look at what um, the area of psychology says, and um, I'm going to read from um, a psychologist named uh, Leon Schultzer. He says, um, the high cost of self-absorption. Self so I want you to note the difference. As I mentioned earlier, I said Jesus was self-aware. And the difference between that and self-absorption. Self-absorption, he says, as many writers have noted, our relationships are damaged, damaged, sometimes irreparably by self-preoccupation that undermines the closeness or intimacy that all relationships require if they are to be nurturing and resilient. As already suggested, constant self-absorption undermines our capacity for empathy. Don't you love it? That's what Jesus said to him. Listen, your, your self-focus is, is, is stopping you from having compassion on the people. So our self-absorption undermines our capacity for empathy and true understanding of the thoughts, feelings, needs, and desires of others. It is extremely difficult to clearly appreciate the world that exists outside ourselves when most of the time our focus is directly directed inwards. We cannot, we cannot come to that place of self-fulfillment. I think I asked the question last time. Um, all of us know someone that is really self-absorbed. And is that person ever happy? You never get, you get, 
there's no happiness in, in self-focus um, on that level. But there's a difference between self-absorbedness and self-awareness. Now let's look at that dif- difference. Jesus says to the woman at the well, he says to her, um, those that will worship God, soon they'll be worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Okay? Truth is um, self-awareness. Only, in tru- uh, only a truly self-aware person can truly worship God. We see this with Isaiah. Isaiah, sorry, chapter 6. Isaiah, not Uzziah, Isaiah. Don't get confused. It's close, but very far. <laughs> the one's a prophet, the one's a king. But Isaiah the prophet, the first thing that happens, and it's actually, actually, actually quite interesting, in that scene where he sees the Lord, in the other king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The next thing that happens, the first response he gives is he says, Woe is me. And it's, we, we know the scripture, but it's actually weird. It's actually weird that he sort of, it's almost like he introspects. But no, he doesn't. He's, 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 he's suddenly aware of, he thought he was this amazing prophet. And suddenly he's aware of his, the state of his heart. I love that song we sing. Um, you see the depths of my heart, but you love me the same. Right? So he suddenly, so God's aware of the state of hearts. We're just not always aware of the state of hearts. Right? So, but Isaiah in that moment, in the presence of God, he becomes aware of the state of his heart, and then he says, woe is me. He becomes self-aware. He becomes aware of how far he actually is from God, and actually there's no comparison. There's only one response, and that is to worship God. But he almost had to, there was a, a, a worshiping in truth moment that happened there. You know, so, so when we come into the presence of God, there's this, this reality, this this truth, this um, self-awareness that we need to get in that God is amazing. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. I don't live like that as in an identity because I'm a, in identity I'm a son or a daughter of God. But I'm aware of the fact that God is so much greater. So that's the, that's the worship in truth. The worship in spirit um, is a God-awareness. Again, the psychologist, he says this. Again, the high cost of self-absorption. As long as we continue pretty much on a daily basis to obsess about all things personal, happiness, contentment, and a stable sense of well-being um, will be impossible to achieve. But whether we're feeling extremely bad or nervous about ourselves, worriedly remunerating about how others perceive us, or indulging in grandiose thoughts about our own specialness, we're descending into a state of toxic self-absorption. And as a personality trait, attending ex- excessively to ourselves uh, and at the expense of almost all other considerations is typically regarded not only as abnormal, but as ki- a kind of unethical too. For such behavior depicts almost the opposite of altruism. Altruism means... Um, Doing things from a place of compassion. Doing things for others. So it, that, you see that again. You know, the state of the heart and the focus of one's mind, the heart and everything, determines actually ultimately your true fulfillment. If it's on self-focus, um, you'll end up in a, a very unfulfilled, unhappy state. 
But when your focus is on others, then you see that there's actually true fulfillment. And then you, again, it lines up with what Jesus says. It really is more blessed to give than to receive, right? It really is more blessed to think of others instead of yourself. So there's actually a place where, where, we, where we purposefully say, well, I'm in a bad state. Maybe I'm an Uzziah or maybe I'm a, a ruler of the synagogue. Um, my heart is not in a good place, but I'm going to purposefully choose not to focus on myself, but on others. What's happening around me? Let me just, just take that first step and allow um, Jesus to bring that true compassion into my heart. Joshua chapter 14, verse 10. Here we see the complete opposite. We see a, the, the picture um, of uh, one of the best pictures of true strength in the Old Testament, Caleb. It was Joshua and Caleb that were the spies into the promised land, and then they were all in the desert, and then they eventually came into the promised land. Verse 10 says, Now then, just as the Lord promised, He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time He has said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Right? So we see, we see this man. He's, he's 40 years older, 85. But he says, my strength is the same than it was then. And he's not just saying it. It's not like a spiritual statement. You know, I feel strong. But now he actually then goes and he conquers whole cities, a mountain, Hebron. He takes that place um, through war. You know, it's amazing sometimes when you look at the, the Old Testament, it actually challenges us a bit. Because I think we, we often tempted to spiritualize things in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, it was actual strength. It was actual strength. He was an old guy, an old dude, right? But yet he had the strength that God gave him. Um, that he would rest into. Right, so we, 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 we back at Isaiah. So let's, let's go back. So for three things that happened with Isaiah. In the year that King Isaiah died, so he, he said, I saw the Lord, okay? So his, 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 his eyes were lifted up from, from his, his surroundings, his circumstances, his own experience. Suddenly his eyes were lifted up and he could see the king, right? His first response was to become self-aware. Listen, this is the state of my heart. This is where I'm at. Um, woe is me. He has this passionate response of, listen, God, I realize in, in, in the light of who you are, uh, who I am. And then he has this, this spirit response where he, could, he sees the king. He has this encounter with the king, and now his eyes has moved on from himself, and he just sees who God is. And then God asks, asks the question, and he says, who shall go for me? And then he says, here I am. In other words, something happened in Uzziah that made him available for God's use. Something in him changed, shifted, as he just allowed God um, to come in. So I want to pray for us this morning. And... Part of this situation, and again, Isaiah was already a prophet. He was already doing things for God. And it wasn't like he said, listen, okay, now I want this moment. I need a, 
I need a new spiritual experience to become a better prophet, you know, that, that God had for me. It was something, something that God did in His timing. It was, it was actually not just an individual event. It was a national event that happened there in that moment. God had chosen to visit His prophet Isaiah for the sake of the nation. All right? That's why the, Isaiah chapter 6 was one begins with that bigger context. In the year that the king died. So there's a connection there. It's not, it's not independent. There's a, there's a national um, occurrence that happens. Then he sees the king. And God says, who will go for me? And eventually, Isaiah says, well, now I'm, I, I understand. Understand what it's about. Understand who I am. I stand, understand your role. Understand my role. And, and I stand, understand my role is very little. But it's obedience. It's not easy. But it's a very small role because I've seen the king. I've seen how amazing you are, God. But now I can move. Because I've, 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 I've realized, I've had this moment. So I want to ask us just to stand this morning. Ben, you can come up. And I'm going to pray again that we would just position ourselves. So that's the thing that Isaiah did get right. He didn't choose to have that experience. God chose the experience, but yet he was in the right place at the right time. Position is everything. I believe that the disciples, you know, they were positioned perfectly. Of course, by God's um, divine sovereignty, they were there at the time when Jesus walked on those shores, right? But yet they were at the right place at the right time so that Jesus could say to them, come, we're going. And then they would follow Jesus. So I'm going to pray for that. But first of all, I'm going to just again allow us just to bring our hearts to God and say, God, if there's something in my heart, Lord, I don't want to be like a Uzziah when I get into your presence. What's in my heart just comes out and it's just ugly. It's just bad. It's just terrible. But I want to be like a Uzziah, Lord. recognizing what is in my heart so that you could come and give me a new heart a heart that is humble a heart that is not lifted up I want us again just to have an opportunity to say Jesus you are the king and my eyes have seen the king and I choose to recognize the state of my heart and I choose to allow you Jesus to come in just where you're standing won't you just speak to God I love what um, Johannes and Louis did as they just said they're not going to just settle for the surface they're not just going to settle for just a little experience in fact they said that they've had many experiences but they're not leaving the presence of God without something tangible that they can take away from that moment 
So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in this room. We thank you that you're the source of all strength, but that is not our focus, God. Our focus is the King. So we lift you up, God. Your word says, humble yourselves before the sight of the Lord and in due time He will lift you up. If that's you this morning, why don't you just raise both your hands to the heavens. Say, Jesus, this morning I choose to humble myself before the King. So hope, woe is me, Lord. I'm a man of unclean lips, but Lord, let our eyes see the King. Let us see you this morning. We humble ourselves before your mighty hand, Lord. And we step away from the ability, our skills, what we've achieved, we step away from that lifting us up. But we say, God, we, we step away from control and the control that we have. We relinquish control. We give it to you, Jesus. And we say, you, Jesus, choose how and when and if you will lift us up. But we step away. God, we let go of control. God, we let go of the things that we hold on to, God. We let go of our ambitions and the, 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 the dreams, but it's dreams, but it's selfish dreams, God. It's dreams that we want. It's earthly desires. It's things that we feel, God, these things will establish us. These things will bring us security, God. But we recognize this morning that there's only one place of true security. That's in you, Jesus. So forsaking all others, Lord. Forsaking all other things, we grab onto you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, we pray that you would position us, God, in your presence, God, that you would clothe us with strength that is not our own. Father, we lay aside our own strength, our confidence in what we are and what we have achieved, and instead we grab hold to your strength. We say, God, we desire, our desire is to be perfected in you, Jesus. Strengthened in you. So we thank you for your strength. And we thank you for your call, God, to go, to be your vessels. To be those with soft hearts, with hearts of compassion. And right now, God, we ask that you would fill our hearts. Fill our hearts in this place with the love, God, for those around us, those that are suffering, those that are in need of you. 
Father, we look around and we recognize that, God, we all here, we have Jesus. God, if we lose everything, we still have everything. Because, Jesus, you are our everything. We have you, Jesus. If, like Job, everything is taken away, Jesus, you are still enough. And for all eternity, God, we will be with you. But God, there are those that are not in this room. And they're suffering. And they're not in, they don't have that hope, God. God, when we suffer, we have you. When those out there, there suffer, they don't have anything. Give us hearts of compassion, God, again. Give us a love. Fill us right now with your Holy Spirit, God. That you would take us to a place of true fulfillment again where we love like Jesus does. Where we out there looking for the woman that suffered for 18 years. God, we're not like the, the ruler of the synagogue. Just wanting to protect our space. Just wanting to protect what we have. But Lord, we want to be like Jesus. Loving that woman. Loving her to complete healing. Loving her to, to complete strength again. She's a woman of God. You recognize her as a daughter of Abram. But we thank you for such people, God. Those that are around us that need you, Jesus. Give us opportunities with them. Give us words for them. Words of kindness, God. Words of love. Thank you, Lord. Let's just worship together. I want you just to take out this time we've done for this morning so the band can just continue leading us. But I want you just to take this time just to speak to Jesus and just to, just to deal with Him, just to do business with your King. Um, we're going to do communion afterwards. Um, but let's just worship God. And then we'll come together and, and share in the finished work of, of the cross.